And welcome back, everybody. Episode 129 of the Sports Gospel Show here on SportsGospel.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. We're happy to be back with you, Darren and Andrew, again on this week's episode. And as you hear us talk about a lot, one of our driving forces on this show is we try to be positive, upbeat. We try not to do the hot takes and tear anybody down. But Andrew, I got a confession to make. I'm feeling a little fired up this week. Yeah, uh, I guess I probably know what it's about. College football playoffs? It is about college football playoffs. This week's episode is going to focus on the bowl game, specifically looking at the playoff and the New Year's Six. But we'll dig deep into some of the obscure bowl games and give you some random picks. But you hit the nail right on the head here. I like most of, I assume, America. Everybody else I've heard talk about it. And far be it for me to ever support Florida State, but the Seminoles got hosed. So we'll, we can go any number of directions, but that's, that's where I want to start. Alabama stealing the four spot from Florida State. Yeah, or Texas stealing it. Whatever you want to say. Um, they, I mean, they blatantly said, Hey, Florida State's quarterback got hurt. We're putting them out, which to some degree, I get it, but also they really got hosed. Um, it's like if Jordan Travis had hurt his leg earlier, would that have made a difference? I I don't know. I think this is kind of just the reality of the new landscape of college football is the college football playoffs is going to do everything they can. They're going to jump through hoops, do a lot of mental gymnastics, whatever they can do to get Big Ten and SEC schools more representation in the playoffs, they're going to do it. And I think that's the main takeaway that I got from this was the committee is on the side of those two conferences uh, because of the obvious tie-ins, because of the money that comes with those teams being in the playoffs. So that's, it's not the right reason for it, but it's exactly why the decision was made. I don't agree with it, but that's, that's why. Yeah. If anybody out there had any question as to if, the college football playoff is in bed with ESPN and the SEC. Here is your answer. It, they were going to do whatever they could to get the SEC in this thing. Clear once Michigan had that game. Okay. They're of course getting in. They get the Big Ten. That's fine. And so many different ways to discuss this. I'm not, I don't think Florida State was one of the four best teams. I think when I look at them, I think they're maybe number eight at best. I think they, would slide in right after Oregon if all these teams were to play each other round robin. I think they'd come out eighth, maybe a touch ahead of the teams like Ole Miss, Missouri, LSU, Oklahoma. I think they're right above that tier, but that's not the point. They did what was asked of them. They went out. They played undefeated. No undefeated conference champion has been left out since we started the playoff system, and Barely any one-loss teams. If you go back and look, you basically have to have two losses to be left out of the playoff. I think the very first year when Baylor and TCU each had one loss, the Big 12 was left out. And then there was another year, I'm blanking it off the top of my head, where a one-loss conference champion was left out. So Florida State, again, they did what was asked. They played in a Power 5. They're guaranteed a shot. They went undefeated. What more can they do? Jordan Travis, that's the interesting question. If Jordan Travis was still in, would they still have excluded them? just you you can't help but feel bad for Florida State when they did what was asked of them. No, the answer is no. Jordan Travis would not, you know, if he was healthy, uh, they would be in. I, I honestly feel that way. 
Um, the other thing here is like Jordan Travis didn't get invited to the Heisman ceremony. So he's important enough to keep them out of the playoffs, but not quite important enough to go to the Heisman ceremony in New York. I guess I don't understand. The other thing is Florida State could have been less transparent about Jordan Travis's injury. They could have just said he's week to week, slow played it, kept the committee wondering, but because they were forthright and said, hey, yeah, he's out for the season, including the postseason, that sort of gave the committee the ammunition they needed. I'm not advocating for lying about injuries, but would have benefited Florida State in this case. This case. Right. And but what's the re- what's the reason to be truthful? What's the reason to be truthful about injury status of your key players anymore? Right. Just say they're week to week. And I think one thing this also makes me think more about is, and I, I know this is the last year of the four teams, so this is kind of a moot point. But what are teams supposed to do for schedules? When this all started, they were told, "Go load up. We're going to look at strength of schedule. It's going to be RPI like March Madness, where." You have to prove your worth. And the SEC and Alabama are like, nah, we're going to go play Prairie View A&M and Tennessee Tech and all these other little smaller schools to just beat up on them and pad our schedule. All that matters is that goose egg in the loss column. However you get there, just have a zero losses at the end of the year, whereas I think especially the Pac-12 and Big 12 and the Big 10 to a degree went out and scheduled these cross-conference major games like Oregon and Ohio State playing each other. And the SEC is like, now we're going to get a team or two in the playoff every year just because we're going to have zero losses. But then Florida State is being punished for having a soft schedule and zero losses. And now yeah. so, now suddenly Alabama, well, look at their strength of schedule. It's like, okay, where was that the last 10 years of this thing? Yeah, I, it doesn't make sense. Again, they did. They went through the mental gymnastics they needed to to include the teams that they wanted to. Um, Just based purely off of what they thought would be the best matchups. Um, don't think that's the fair way to do it. However, you talked about next year and looking forward. I don't know, because there's a lot of things that are about to change, um, especially with the new proposal today. Did you catch wind of that news? No, yeah. that, that that may tie into my next question I was going to ask you, but I'll let you go first and then see if I have some follow-ups, because I have not been on the news as much as I should. Okay, 12-team playoff is coming next year. But today, the NCAA president made a new proposal introducing a new uh, new subdivision where basically teams can opt in. They have to, if they choose to opt into this, they can pay their players from like a trust fund and work out NIL deals the schools themselves can. And it's not tied to education. Um, but like Title IX still applies. So essentially my understanding is that if you opt into this, you have to pay half of all the athletes at your school at a minimum of $30,000 per year per athlete. Um, so I mean, that varies from school to school, but that's the minimum, but you could go higher. You could go significantly higher if you have more money. Um, so I don't know, but that is going to create basically a new subdivision within college sports, specifically college football. So all of your big money-making teams, you know, the Alabamas, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas A&M, 
all those schools are probably going to be able to opt into that. I don't know about some of like the group of five schools, but I would imagine a lot of the power schools are going to have the money to do this. So, but it's going to kind of revolutionize the way that things go in college sports. So I got to read more about it. I read a little bit about it today. I'm still a little bit confused, uh, but I don't know if this is essentially the NCAA creating a super league could be, but, but that's, it's definitely going to change the landscape of college sports as we know it. Yeah, this is the first and most I'm hearing about this one. So that one's news for me that I'll need to do more reading on after we get off the call and yeah. develops. But Ross uh, Dellinger from Yahoo Sports dropped the news this morning and a really in-depth article that you can take about 20, 25 minutes of your day to read if you want, but um, has all the information in there, everything that you need to understand about it, but I'm, I'm sure there will be like more clarifications. Apparently, this has been in the works for a while. Apparently, the, the new NCAA president, Charlie Becker, Baker, I can't remember his name, Charlie something. Anyways, this was one of his first priorities once he took over the job from Mark Emmert was to put together this kind of a proposal and look at it. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really know, but I think this is kind of gonna, again, it's just going to accentuate the differences between the haves and have nots. And we're really just another step closer towards turning college sports into semi pro sports feeder leagues for the NFL, the NBA. If they weren't that already, that's, pretty much what they're going to be going forward yeah just admit that it's the it's the triple a baseball of football with the g league yeah yeah essentially i mean that's what this is whether they want us to call it that or not but that's the truth of what it is yeah and that's one thing i was going to ask about is how and I should know all this, I don't have it right in front of me though, but the 12-team playoff next year, are we reconfiguring that now that we don't really have a Pac-12? Because wasn't it I each, would, each yeah. power five gets a bid, one group of five, and then six wild cards? Yeah, essentially it was how, how it was going to go. Uh, but that's obviously going to be renegotiated with, and those games are going to be spread out against yeah, across all the major networks, you know, ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC, which falls under the ESPN umbrella. But, um, and so who has the big, the big contracts with that? Um, SEC and Big Ten. So in my mind, the SEC and Big Ten are going to say, hey, we, we added a bunch of teams. We, added bigger brands, we deserve more guaranteed spots, and basically the TV networks are going to bow down to that. And that's, looking at where the playoff rankings finished, out of the top 13 teams, only Florida State is a non-Big Ten or non-SEC team starting next year. With When you look at Washington and Oregon going to the Big Ten, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. So if we project ahead to next year, that is you don't, you'd have one team other than the group of five school, which would have been Liberty. Florida State is the only team who would have been representing 
Pac-12, ACC, Big 12. Then you drop down, you get a lot more when you get to the teens and 20s with Arizona, Louisville, Notre Dame, Oregon State, those kind of schools. But you just see these two conferences already preliminary cannibalizing these bids. Right. And then you bring up the... I mean, you talked about scheduling in the current setup, but scheduling for like the Big 12 and the ACC teams, like I don't know how many high quality matchups those teams are going to get in their non-conference schedules because at some point you got to think that uh, both the Big 10 and the SEC are going to expand their conference schedules, have bigger and better matchups in conference, therefore eliminating opportunities for those Big Ten and SEC teams, they won't want to play, you know, two other, they won't want to play Big 12 and ACC teams where they're two non-conference games that they're going to get. They're going to want those to be home games so they can get the home ticket revenue. That's essentially what this is coming to. And so it's going to, it's only going to kind of create that divide between SEC, Big Ten, and the rest. I think I've talked about that before, but that's really where we're getting to. So, yeah, we're already there with 11 of the 12, and the top from the Big 12 slash ACC is Arizona, who isn't exactly a football powerhouse. Don't know if they're going to be around there next year. So, yeah, I think that's that's just the reality. So there will be, I mean... Basically, you could have a situation where essentially the SEC and Big Ten opt into this new subdivision, like all of the schools within those conferences opt in, and then everybody else stays out. And then basically the Big 12, ACC, Pac-12, Mountain West, American, you know, all those group of fives, they're the next division down, and they form their own playoff system, I think. I could see that happening. Oh, I just... uh, but a lot, a lot is just going to change. A lot, a lot is going to change in this off season. Right. You thought last off season with all the realignment stuff was crazy for college sports, specifically college football. I think you're in for an even bigger shock this off season. Right. Well, do we want to talk about what we have here for upcoming bowl games? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think we were going to go through each and every one, but you, you started off. Well, uh, do you want to start with the New Year's six that are not playoff or start with the playoff? Let's start with the New Year's six that are not play. Right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I, I apologize. Pulled up the scores. Apparently my web browser wanted to uh, make some noise, hey. but uh, don't worry. It's all right. It's all right. Could we start with the non-New Year Six games? Are there any non-New Year Six games that you find to be intriguing? Well, I've got a couple. I was going to go through, just get rapid-fire quick picks on some of the lower ones, but there. Yeah, let's do that. Let's start there. Okay. So we'll go. We'll rapid-fire the early ones that nobody has ever heard of. The Myrtle Beach Bowl between Georgia Southern and Ohio. Uh, Ohio. Well, no, sorry, Georgia Southern for me. Uh, I'll, I'll go Ohio just to be different. 
Uh, the New Orleans Bowl in Louisiana, Jacksonville State, I believe, making their bowl game debut versus Louisiana. The Raging Cajuns were like weirdly consistently good in bowl games. So I'm going to go Louisiana. I'm going to go Jacksonville State. Going to like the new, the first year team. So the Cure Bowl, your beloved App State Mountaineers versus the Miami of Ohio Redhawks. Not a bad mid-major game here with the Sunbelt champs and the MAC champs. Yeah, Joey Aguilar having a whale of a season, junior quarterback from App State, 3,500 yards, 33 touchdowns against nine interceptions. He's awesome. The Mountaineers are awesome. I'm going to go roll in the ears in this one. I think they blow out the Red Hawks. Wow. Uh, going down next, we have the New Mexico Bowl, fittingly with New Mexico State versus Fresno State. Uh, ten and four New Mexico State. Remember, they beat Auburn before getting whacked in their conference title game. And then Fresno. I'm a Tedford fan. I like Fresno. This is one of the more low key bowl games that I would not mind sitting down and watching. I think it's going to be a fun game. But give me give me Fresno here. They won it back in 2021. Let's let's see them do it again. Well, Fresno, you mentioned Tedford. I I think I saw he was stepping away for his health. Ah. Um. So hopefully Tedford is. Okay, um, would like to see him be healthy, so we'll wish him the best, but I do think that could have an impact here. Give me New Mexico State. Just looking, New Me- uh, Fresno State 1-2 and two all time in this bowl game, so they're a, they become a staple of the New Mexico Bowl. It's in New Mexico, though, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's go with the home team. All right, the LA Bowl presented by Rob Gronkowski, so there's a something. Uh, one of the newer bowl games, only the third time they've played it, but we get uh, UCLA versus Boise State, Boise State, Mountain West Champions versus UCLA, who UCLA, I feel like, is a dumpster fire just waiting for somebody to throw a match with. Are they firing Chip Kelly? Dante Moore transferring? I don't know what to make of this. I'll just go Boise State because they seem to be more settled and consistent. Well, Boise State actually had their top receiver and their starting quarterback transfer out, um, as well as I think they're going to have some opt-outs. This is a tough one to get a read on because I don't have a lot of confidence in UCLA either. I think they're keeping Chip Kelly, uh, but I think Carson Steele will play, and that'll be enough for UCLA to get it done. Yeah, I found a list of teams. I was looking just kind of at bowl game stats earlier today. And some of the bowl game droughts, Kansas hasn't won one since 2008. Northern Illinois hasn't won since 2011. Do you know who Northern Illinois' quarterback was in that time? Uh, Jordan Lynch. Ah, nice. Good old, the, the four good years Northern Illinois got to have. SMU last won in 2012. And then Bowling Green, Missouri, Rice, Rutgers, and UCLA all last won bowl games in 2014, which stunned me. I would have figured UCLA would have had something in that time frame. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'll just go UCLA on that one. And then the Independence Bowl and the, my gosh, you're going to have to struggle to find interest in this one. Six and six Cal versus six and six Texas Tech. Cal, I've talked how much I like their coach, Justin Wilcox, but time may be running low on that. And Cal's going to play great defense. Texas Tech doesn't bring a whole lot to the table this year. So give me Cal in a very low scoring, boring game. Yep, I'll go with you on the Cal. I am a 
not a believer in the Big 12. They performed poorly in the non-conference, and we're back to mostly non-conference games here. So I'll take uh, I'll take Cal over Texas Tech. And the Bahamas Bowl being played in North Carolina. It's a whole situation going on there, but the Bahamas Bowl slash famous toastery bowl with the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers versus Old Dominion Monarchs. Yeah, I like, uh, I think Western Kentucky could have some opt-outs with Corley. I know he's going to go NFL, so I think I'll go Old Dominion on this one. Both teams are 1-0 in previous appearances. I'll take Western Kentucky to win the tiebreaker. I like it. Uh, Frisco Bowl, Marshall Thundering Herd versus UTSA. Marshall, weirdly one of those teams, I think they're like 13-7 and all-time in bowl games. UTSA, 0-4 all-time in bowl games, so give me the Thundering Herd. Give me UTSA getting their first bowl win. Frank Harris is going to get the job done. Uh, Boca Raton Bowl in the... Lord help you if you sit through this whole thing. South Florida versus Syracuse, both 6-6. Six and six. Both not good. Both illustrating why we have too many bowl games. Give me South Florida for reasons. Yeah, South Florida, I guess. And the Gasparilla Bowl. And if you're going to have this bowl, it should be sponsored by Bad Boy Mowers. If it's going to be this ridiculous, really lean into it. Central Florida versus Georgia Tech and another, oh boy. So, 6-6 six and six versus 6-6, six and six, give me UCF. Yeah, UCF, I think this is going to be one of the big 12 speed wins. UCF, is, I, I get it's in their backyard, but this kind of become their bowl game. They're 3-2 and two all time in their sixth appearance. They are they are, have a death grip on the Gasparilla Bowl. Nice. The Birmingham Bowl, the Duke Blue Devils versus Troy. Maybe a sneaky good game here. Troy's a little better than people expect. Duke without their coach, though, what does that do for them? Give me Troy here to pull a... I guess I'd still consider it a minor, minor upset little brother over big brother. I don't know. Troy's favored by seven points. Like you said, Riley Leonard in the portal, uh, head coach, going to Texas A&M. Uh, give me Troy there. They seem to be a little bit more stable program at this juncture. The Camellia Bull... The Arkansas State Red Wolves versus our aforementioned Northern Illinois Huskies. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess Arkansas State, because I have to pick somebody. I'll take Northern Illinois. I'll, I'll believe in Rocky Lombardi one more time. He's still in college. He's still in college. He plays quarterback for the Northern Illinois Huskies. Arkansas State, all-time leader in appearances in this bowl game. They have three. They're one and one. Wonderful. Northern Illinois making their Camellia Bowl debut. Uh, Armed Forces Bowl. This one I actually think is kind of fun. This is another one that would get a little bit more attention. December 23rd, 11-1, the James Madison Dukes, the team who was told they couldn't be in a bowl game, and then there's too many bowl games, not enough good teams, so they got in, versus Air Force, who started out really strong in the Mountain West, kind of stumbled down the stretch. But I like this game, JMU versus Air Force. I'll stick with the Dukes. I think a little bit more of a hot hand for them. Sneaky good here on this game. Uh, I'll take James Madison though as well. Well, I think I think we're just Dukes fans on the show, not Duke, but Dukes. Yeah, yeah, I think we are. 
and the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, formerly known as the Humanitarian Bowl, formerly known as the game Iowa State fans still don't want to talk about. Georgia State Panthers versus the Utah State Aggies. And Utah State has been in this bowl game five times before. Or this is their fifth time, sorry. They're one in three. So I'm going to go with Georgia State here, making their Smurf Turf debut with the, I guess it would be considered an upset Georgia State over Utah State. Utah State has a very high-powered offense. I think they're going to do whatever they want on offense. Cooper Lega is going to throw three touchdowns. Utah State, Aggies, big time. Now, if you're curious why there's so many teams that you've never heard of, general U, Royal U population out there, it's because like the entire Sun Belt went 6-6 six and six this year. I don't know if that was by design, but when there was not enough power teams and they just needed to fill in, it was Sun Belt to the rescue. So there's all these not good 6-6 six and six teams in these bowl games. Speaking of... Interesting. The 68 Ventures Bowl, the South Alabama Jaguars, one of those aforementioned mid-level Sunbelt teams, versus the Eastern Michigan Eagles. So, uh, South Alabama crushed Oklahoma State. So, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go South Alabama for that reason. That's probably the smart bet. I was like, which way do I go on this? And I'll go South Alabama. We don't agree on many of these, but I'll stick with you. It seems like a much safer bet than Eastern Michigan. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, getting up to some bigger names here, the Las Vegas Bowl, old reliable Utah, another one of those teams who has one of the best career winning percentages in bowl games as a university. I think I want to say 17 and nine, maybe for some reason comes to my mind. And the Northwestern, the team that I think a lot of people, including myself, thought would be struggling to get a win here this year. And here they are bowl eligible at seven and five. Uh, impressive season for Northwestern, but give me Kyle Whittingham and the consistent, steady Eddie Utah Utes. Well, uh, don't know if you know this, but Utah's starting quarterback opted out, or sorry, hit the transfer portal. So, and I think Utah's had a few other defections. Northwestern has not, and they seem to have rallied around David Braun. I'm going to take the Wildcats here in an upset. I feel like Utah's kind of been playing this entire year without a quarterback since Cam Rising got hurt. So I'm just going to consider it another week. Well, they're down to their fourth stringer now, so um, anyways, I'll take Northwestern in this one. Hawaii Bowl, San Jose State Par- start, uh, San Jose State Spartans versus Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Not a lot of insight on this one, just Coastal Carolina for the sake of the name. Hmm. Coastal Carolina's had a lot of transfers, including Grayson McCall. Give me Chevin Cordero and the San Jose State Spartans. So, Side note, we'll do a full transfer portal here in a couple weeks, but how in the world is Grayson McCall still in college? No clue. COVID year? <laughs> COVID <laughs> there's, year? There's COVID years, there's transfers, and then there's Grayson McCall. Yeah, he's, yeah, I, I have no clue, but he is, and he's oh. going to transfer. Speaking of, we skipped over this. I guess I could save it for the Oklahoma game. Uh, but their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is transferring as well. I was looking up stats earlier today, and he was the 2019 MVP of whatever bowl game Central Florida played in, and he still is coming back next year for eligibility. Again, it's my bottling, and yeah, a lot of high-profile quarterbacks hit the portal. It's like Dylan Gabriel, Grayson McCall, I think Tyler Shuck at Texas Tech, Cam Rising at Utah. DJ, These guys are like coming back DJ for like year seven. U. 
DJU. Um, <laughs> Riley Leonard has been around for a long time. Goodness. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> uh, the Quick Lane Bowl back here the day after Christmas in Michigan. Seven and five Bowling Green versus five and seven Minnesota. I will leave it up to you to explain how Minnesota got here if you would like. But I'll I'll take the Golden Gophers just if if they're going to get this weird shot. Let's ride with them. Minnesota got here because, like you said, there's too many bowl games, not enough bowl eligible teams. So they're like, "Hey, Minnesota, you're in the Big Ten. You're five and seven. You want to play in a bowl game?" And they said yes. <laughs> so they get to play a MAC team in a bowl game. Uh, they've had a few guys transfer out, opt out, whatever. I think Minnesota will win this game, though. I probably. I don't know if it's a, necessarily a guarantee, but I'll I'll pick the goofers. And the first responders bowl, Texas State versus Rice. Don't know why, but I'm becoming a Texas State Bobcat fan, so I'll pick them. Yeah, I'll take Texas State as well. Guaranteed rate bowl, Kansas versus UNLV. This is where I thought Iowa State would end up. Kansas eight and four getting the nod here against the surprising nine and four UNLV Rebels team that I thought was about a year away from being good, and here they were competing for the Mountain West title. Ended up losing out there, but still an impressive season for them. I do expect fireworks in this one. If you're, I don't know what the line is on any of these games, but this was one I feel like we could be looking at a fifty to forty final score. But I will take the Rebels by virtue of I just can't pick Kansas. I will ride with the Rebels as well. Like I said, I'm picking against the Big 12, mostly slash future Big 12. Sticking with that theme, UNLV. We've got the Military Bowl. We're starting to get into some of the meat and the matter here, ranked teams. Military Bowl, the Tulane Green Wave, who blew it in the American title game. Had they won that, they'd be in the New Year's Six. We won't have to talk about Liberty. And their consolation prize is to play the 6-6 six and six Virginia Tech Hokies. I hope there's not too much of a letdown for Tulane and your your favorite Michael Pratt is playing. I kind of want Tulane just to destroy Virginia Tech in this. And I think they will. Give me Tulane. The poorly named Duke's Mayo Bowl, which feels like it's just becoming North Carolina's signature bowl game. I just feel like North Carolina is limping down the stretch here. Is Drake May even get a play in this one? Is he looking ahead to the NFL? I just, I, every time I pick North Carolina in a bowl game, it doesn't go my way. So I will go West Virginia, even though I don't think the Mountaineers are as good as their eight and four record says. Again, no faith in the Big 12 <laughs> or future Big 12. Drake May is not going to play. I think it'd be silly if he does. Uh, however, can't wait to see Mac Brown in. A bath of mayo uh, after yeah. the game. So, uh, Mac Brown, Mayo Mac. I think they can call him Mayo <laughs> Mac after the game. So, North Carolina in, in a big way here. And he promptly decides to retire afterwards. I wouldn't blame him. And the coming up next, this is one of my favorite ones. I really like this matchup. The Holiday Bowl coming up December 27th. The only bowl game on Fox, which I would like to figure out why this one random bowl game is broadcast on Fox, but it's USC who will be playing without Caleb Williams. Not sure if uh, other guys like Kalen Bullock are playing versus Louisville. Louisville could have been in the New Year's six instead loses here. 
I remember watching this game last year in Oregon and North Carolina going down to the wire for the Ducks you know, snuck that one out. Still excited to see this one here. Does Louisville, act, well, Louisville will have offense because they're playing USC who doesn't have any defense. So I think a fun shootout here. But give me the Cardinals. USC is going to try to do this without Caleb Williams, which I think will be a struggle. Yeah, I think it will be too. Uh, give me the Cardinals in a big way. And the Texas Bowl. I'm curious about your Big 12 theory here because we have two teams that are just kind of sputtering to the finish. Oklahoma State, who inexplicably got to the Big 12 title game and got smashed, as we kind of all suspected, versus Texas A&M, who fires Jimbo Fisher. They've got, is it Mike Elko coming in to take over? I trust neither of these teams. I feel like, especially Oklahoma State, kind of stumbles in bowl games. Still, I guess because their coach has been in place. I guess I'll take Oklahoma State with very little. If confidence points was a, if we were doing these with confidence points like you do on ESPN, this may be my one point pick. Yeah, I'd probably be with you there. This is such a toss up. A lot of uh, transfers out for AM as a result of the coaching change and just a lot of turmoil there. Mike Elko will probably get it rolling, but man, um, I don't like this Oklahoma State team either. I'll just take AM out of principle. <laughs> Picking against the Big Twelve, so A and M. And the on the opposite end of the confidence points pool, the Fenway Bowl. Only the second time we've ever had this bowl game played, as you would expect. Fenway, home of the Boston Red Sox, and Boston College basically getting a home game to take on SMU, the American Conference champions. I kind of wished SMU would have got a much better matchup, but I fully expect them to demolish the Eagles in this one. So give me SMU. Yeah, SMU deserved a better matchup, but they will they will absolutely demolish Boston College. So that may be my 42-point confidence pick. Yeah, 100%. And if we're going to talk about the Red Sox, we have to talk about the Yankees, the Pinstripe Bowl, Rutgers versus Miami. I've been high on the Hurricanes since Mario went there. This just feels like it may be kind of a tricky catch uh, yeah, trap game for them. Give me Rutgers for... I don't really know why, just Shiano, bowl game, basically in their backyard. So, give me Rutgers. I don't know why either, but I'm I'm riding with you on the Rutgers train. Rutgers, one and one all time in pinstripe bowls. First started in 2010. So, uh, The woefully named, yet I love the matchup, getting into some we may want to dig a little deeper into. The Pop-Tarts Bowl, unfortunately named... Kansas State versus NC State, Wildcats versus Wolfpack. Another game that I'm curious how maybe opt-outs for Transfer Portal could impact this one. Big fan of both of these programs, the coaching, just the way they do everything. I'll be a Big 12 homer here and pick Kansas State, though. Winner of this game gets to eat a life-size (laughs) Pop-Tart. I mean, what more could you want? And I think the hungriest team in this game is the NC State Wolfpack. Give me the Wolfpack in a big way over Kansas State. Now, what I'd like to know is how, like, which flavors am I allowed to pick from for my edible Pop-Tart? I don't know. I think I think it's just whatever you get. Probably just the original strawberry, frosted yeah. strawberry one. So, enjoy your Pop-Tarts, Wolfpack. <laughs> it's better than being doused in mayonnaise like your brethren could have. Oh, 
Next by next year we'll be putting mayo on Pop Tarts. Ugh. That's that's the end game. <laughs> Thank you for that delicious idea. <laughs> it's uh, like putting mayo in coffee, like Will Levis. Ugh. Yeah, I thought that, I thought that butter coffee a, was bad enough. He got a big endorsement from a mayo company for doing that. So good on Will Levis. Was that Nick Foles? That he the... puts mayo in his coffee. Was it was it Nick Foles who did like the full stick of butter in his coffee? Somebody I thought there was an NFL quarterback who was got mm. famous for that a couple of years ago. You'll have to look that up. I can't remember. Might have been Wentz. I don't know. I thought it was Foles or Wentz. Uh, uh what are we up to? Uh so your nightcap on December twenty eighth. This is one of my favorite matchups. I think the Alamo Bowl is kind of underrated. I think we're kind of in that top tier. When you look outside of the New Year six, I think it kind of starts with unfortunately named Pop Tarts Bowl, but you get into the Alamo, Gator, Sun, Citrus, these are kind of what I think of the kind of the second tier bowl games that still have a lot of prestige. Arizona, the fun upstart story of Jed Fish's Arizona team that I'm really happy for him. A lot of people were raving about him as a coach. It just felt like Arizona was never going to give him the resources to get over the hump, but he's going to have a chance to prove it here against Oklahoma. Quietly went 10 and 2, I would say easily the second best team in the Big 12 this year behind Texas. Fortunately, just with the tiebreakers missed out of being in the conference championship. Like a fantastic matchup here. Arizona, Oklahoma. As much as I like this Arizona team, I'll I'll go boomer sooner. As much as it hurts my Big 12 soul to have to pick the Sooners. Yeah, uh, the Jackson-Arnold era is starting right here with this game. At Oklahoma, we're going to hear about him a lot next year. Give me uh, Brent Venables and the Sooners taking care of business against the future Big 12, past Big 12 matchup here, future SEC. So, go Oklahoma. I think of the... I know we have your beloved game coming up, but outside of the New Year's Six, I think my favorite matchups are the Alamo Bowl, the Sun Bowl, and probably those two. I do like the Arizona Bowl, but it's a little smaller. So the, those are my two, the Alamo and the Sun. We can do the Sun Bowl next year. Oregon State versus Notre Dame. Oregon State, a team that's, they lost their head coach, Jonathan Smith, going to Michigan State. Lost starting quarterback, DJ Uyunglele. But a team that I think may still have a huge chip on their shoulder, a lot to prove, basically fighting for the pride of their conference and their program. So I think they're going to lay it all on the line here. I expect an absolute dogfight, a slugfest with Notre Dame. Uh, is Mr. Seven-Year Starter at Notre Dame playing in this one, do we know? Oh, at Notre Dame? I think he's going to probably play Sam Hartman. Yeah. Uh, however, Notre Dame has had a ton of defections via transfer right. portal. Right. Like the right. entire team. So. <laughs> that's that's what I'm worried about with Notre Dame. Both these teams have a lot of losses, but I still think a great matchup. A very random, I'm sure they've met somewhere in the past, but... Oregon State-Notre Dame feels like such a fun, random matchup. This is what I like out of bowl games. Two teams you never think about playing against each other. But uh, give me give me the Beavers in this one to win in the sun. Yeah, I'll take the Fighting Irish because I think Hartman and uh, Audric Estime are going to play, and that gives uh, Notre Dame an advantage. Also, the coaching change with Oregon State. So, yeah, just give me uh, give me Notre Dame. And the Fighting Irish. Uh, and then we have the Gator Bowl actually happening earlier that day. Kentucky versus Clemson. Clemson, I'm sure, had a lot higher hopes for this season. Kentucky as well. I think we expected them to be a lot of, little better than 7-5. and five. Clemson at 8-4. and four. 
I do, I do worry. Will Clemson get up for this game? Will they be excited? Will they, will they be all in? I think Kentucky, I think will be fully there, fully focused. I have my concerns about Clemson, but I also maybe pick them to be a New Year's Six team this year, so I have to go with the Tigers. Yeah, um, I don't know if Ray Davis will play. That could impact a lot. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and pick Clemson just because I think Club Nick, Moffa, I think Dabo's going to have his boys ready for this one, so give me Clemson in this one. Uh, the Liberty Bowl also on the 29th on behalf of all Iowa State fans. We could not care less about this game. Feels like we just played Memphis in the Liberty Bowl because we did in 2017. Got the W, but this just feels like kind of a meh game for us. Memphis getting here because the SEC did not have enough teams. So they get to play the Liberty Bowl in their own home stadium, which is delightful for them. So I do not care about this game, but Cyclone fans drive to Memphis, drink all their bush light and bring home the trophy for the Cyclones. Yeah, so a couple things here. I think there's going to be some transfers out from Iowa State that are going to severely impact this game. Uh, Jalen Noel and Jeremiah Cooper signed with Rosenhaus Sports. Also, you could see TJ Tampa sitting out for his uh, draft stock as well. But uh, Jalen Noel and uh, Jeremiah Cooper signed with Rosenhaus Sports. You don't sign with Drew Rosenhaus to uh, not work out some sort of a big-time NIL deal. So I don't want to give anything away or be the speculation or be the downer here, but uh, I think you can put the pieces together on that one. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and, as a result of that, take Memphis to upset Iowa State in this one. And going over to December 30th, the Music City Bowl defending. Whoa, champion. did we, did we forget, uh, the Cotton Bowl? Oh, I was saving the, I was doing the New Year's games at the end. Oh, gotcha, 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 yeah, gotcha. I'm, I'm okay. segmenting the New Year six. Uh, Got it. So Music City, who's the defending Music City Bowl champions? Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. They won last year 21 to zero, and I suspect this game may be just as enthralling as 21 to zero. Seven and five Maryland versus six and six Auburn, who again just lost to New Mexico State two weeks ago, three weeks ago now. Uh, guess give me Maryland with Tua's little brother to put up some points, but I don't expect a super exciting game here. Talia's last ride. So Maryland, big time in this game. And probably my favorite game that's not featuring Power Five schools, the Arizona Bowl, which is Broadcast on the bar on Barstool Sports slash the CW, so there's something. But the Toledo Rockets versus Wyoming, I've been a big fan of this Wyoming team for the last couple of years now, and Toledo had a great season. Again, we discussed being Toledo fans by extension, Matt Campbell, Iowa State supporters. I think a great matchup here, exciting game in Tucson, Arizona. Somehow this has become Wyoming's go-to bowl game. They are uh, been in two of them since it started in 2015. I liked I like what Toledo brings to the table, but give me Wyoming in this one. I think it'll be close. I think a nail biter all the way down. So if you just want a random close game with two teams you don't know all that well, tune in for this one. Yeah, I gotta go with Harrison Whaley, the uh Irmendale kid here, and I'm from Irmendale, Iowa, so he plays for Wyoming. 
I got to rock with Wyoming Cowboys. And going to New Year's Day, the ReliQuest Bowl, which I still wish we could call the Outback Bowl, LSU versus Wisconsin. And if he plays in this, you can verify whether or not if Jaden Daniels is in this, I think he's going to run all over Wisconsin. Wisconsin is like typical Wisconsin, but not as good where it's going to be straight ahead, three yards in a cloud of dust, boring football. But if Jaden Daniels is in this, I expect him to put on a show. Either way, I'm going LSU. Um, Wisconsin has had their entire wide receiver core transfer out, basically. <laughs> Bray- Braylon Allen has declared for the draft. I think their quarterback is still hurt. Uh, Mordecai, I think he's still hurt. Um, even without Jade, even if Jaden Daniels sits out, which I think he should, because he's probably the Heisman winner in a first round draft pick. Um, I think LSU is going to absolutely roll here. Yeah, I, I don't typically cheer for LSU, but this is one time I'll, I'll go Tigers. All right. And the last one before we get to the New Year's Six, this is when we let Andrew take to the podium. Citrus Bowl, Iowa Hawkeyes versus Tennessee Volunteers, as we all witnessed in the Big 12 title game, if you've not seen it before. Iowa believes in just defense and special teams. Playing a Tennessee team, 8-4, and four, maybe not as special as last year, but still you've got that Josh Heupel offense. So New Year's Day, Citrus Bowl, Orlando, Florida, Volunteers versus Hawkeyes. Yeah, I don't know if Joe Milton's going to play. I don't know what Joe Milton's draft status is. If he's going to be drafted, I think he could be. I think I could see. I can tell you that Iowa's not going to have opt-outs. They're, like Anybody who might opt-out for Iowa is unfortunately injured and out for the year. So Iowa's pretty much going to be rolling out everybody that they can. I think this is going to be a little bit of a situation where Iowa cares about this game more than Tennessee does, because I think Tennessee went into the season with high expectations, uh, kind of like LSU. High expectations um, didn't get to a New Year's Six or to the playoffs. Ultimately, I, I felt like Tennessee probably thought they were trending in that direction, and this is maybe more of a disappointing thing to them, whereas Iowa, I think this matters to them. So... I'm going to go ahead and pick the Hawks to win. 17 to 14. Mm, I don't know if Tennessee is going to get 14 on this defense. If uh, the def- if the Iowa defense can hold uh, Michigan to their lowest yardage totals of the Harbaugh era, I don't, I don't see Tennessee being able to do much on this Iowa defense. So it could be a lot like that Music City Bowl. Maybe a little bit closer because I think Tennessee is maybe a little bit better team, but I do think Tennessee is going to have opt outs, maybe not be the most engaged in this bowl game. Is Cooper Dejean playing in this? Or is he, is he uh, no, Dejean is, Dejean is out. That injury was too bad. It's, it's more of a question of if he's going to be healthy enough to go through the combine. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I was looking up stats for this earlier. Iowa is fourth in scoring defense, only gave up 13 points per game. The top four were the four best teams in the Big Ten. And then they're 129th in scoring offense. So Iowa only scores 16 a game, but they only give up 13. So, so I'm going to go 17-14. I think Tennessee is going to sneak one in somewhere. Yeah. Okay. 
I can I can respect that, but I I don't think a lot of starters for Tennessee are going to be playing in this one. And then there's the New Year Six games. Let's see what order I have these written down in. So I've got the Fiesta Bowl up first for me. If you want to start there. Yeah, let's go. So we've got the Oregon Ducks taking on the Liberty Flames, and I'm going to argue both sides of this coin. I know that on the show we're we're big on parity. I love giving the smaller schools a chance. But when I say that, I typically mean it to be like Boise State when they were 12-0 and and never getting a look, when TCU and Utah were doing it. Not when it's Liberty who kind of gets in by luck. They ran through a very, very bad Conference USA. And from what it sounds like, most of Oregon's guys are going to be playing. Mostly Bo Nix is supposedly going to be playing in this one. And Oregon, who went from potentially being in the playoff, uh, being in the Final Four playoff, and now they're playing Liberty, who, if they're going to play somebody, I would have much rather it be Tulane. But Oregon's second in scoring offense, 11th in scoring defense, 2-1 and one all-time in Fiesta Bowls. Liberty, this is just their fifth bowl game ever, still relatively new to FBS level. They are fifth in scoring offense, though, so you could see a lot of points here, but assuming most of Oregon's guys' plays have not heard a whole lot on opt-outs yet, Oregon, if if these guys are focused, if they feel disrespected, and they're not just overlooking, this could get very ugly very early, and I would not be shocked if Oregon hammers Liberty, assuming the guys are invested. Yeah, this could be a ridiculously bad and lopsided game, like what we saw with Cincinnati in the playoffs. Like, could be that level of bad. Bo Nix is playing, Oregon might drop 70. Like, they really might. So, um, if Bo Nix is not playing, I still think I'd probably favor Oregon. I don't even know who would be behind them. So, um, yeah, give me Oregon here. Yeah, and I... I'll ask you the same question. If you could have had a matchup, which one, which do you think would have been the best game? Cause I would have loved an Oregon, Ohio state game. Get, you know, let, let Penn state or Ole Miss or Missouri play Liberty. I think those are your, the schools that cut below Florida state, Georgia. That makes sense to me, but I Oregon, Ohio state's the game. I would have loved to see, see those offenses go against each other. Assuming not everybody was sitting out. Yeah. And are transferring in Ohio state's case. So, so yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think Tulane would have been the much better matchup here if we're gonna put Oregon against a group of five school. And then let's see, I'm kind of jumping around here. I'm I'm intentionally saving one of these games for the end. Uh, but we got the the Peach Bowl here, Penn State and Ole Miss. Uh, Penn State third in points per game allowed, making their Peach Bowl debut. Never played in the Peach Bowl for the Nittany Lions. Ole Miss one and one in Peach Bowl history. They do have the Lane Kiffin factor for whatever he um, amounts to. Which quick side note: Could two coaches seem more different than Lane Kiffin and James Franklin? I just try to think about their their public personas and their personalities. Couldn't seem more opposite. Give me Penn State in this one. For really no other reason, I think the defense is a little bit stiffer and the coaching edge to Penn State, as long as they don't do anything weird where they try to, they, I think Penn State loves their analytics. So as long as they stay away from that and just play football using their talent, give me the Nittany Lions to win the Peach Bowl. I like Lane Kiffin more than James Franklin. I will never pick James Franklin. <laughs> I will never root for James Franklin ever in my life. That dude is weird. 
Ole Miss. <laughs> Lane Kiffin's weird, but in a different way. In a more likable way. And then we have Ohio State versus Missouri. Uh, Ohio State, 2-0 and all-time in the Cotton Bowl. Missouri, 2-1 and all-time in the Cotton Bowl. Ohio State, second in points allowed per game. As you mentioned, a lot of transfers, a lot of guys sitting out. Uh, Kyle McCord, their starting quarterback, being the big one. Uh, you probably have more up-to-date on this than I do, but Ohio State's got like a dozen guys who could be drafted from Jack Sawyer and Tommy Eichenberg on the defense to Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison at wide receiver. Missouri, Missouri's kind of that quiet team I feel like we didn't hear much about. They just kind of slowly crept along there in the SEC while Alabama and Georgia got all the headlines. I think it'd be more fun to have Missouri win, but if you made me pick, I'm still going to go with the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm not taking Ohio State because of all the turmoil, and there's rumors that Ryan Day is shopping himself to uh, interesting NFL teams. Seems like uh, Harbaugh might have finally broke everything down in Columbus. So that is uh, that is where I'm at, and I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Missouri. Although I don't really like, I don't really like favoring Eli Drinkowitz. That's another very strange guy that uh <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's just a, he's a strange cat. So I don't like picking him. Um but I will here just because of the turmoil with Ohio State. Yeah. Uh and then the one we saved for the end here that I obviously got the most talk we talked about at the top of the show. Florida State versus Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Two kind of traditional teams you'd expect in the Orange Bowl, especially Florida State. They're five and five all time in the Orange Bowl. This team sixth in points allowed per game. Georgia ninth in scoring defense. The Bulldogs three and one all time in Orange Bowl games. I think you have a Florida State team who can either go one of two ways. The biggest chip on their shoulder anybody's ever seen, and they are hungry to show everybody how they were robbed, or a team that's just deflated and that the mental anguish of missing out on your chance to play for the championship, which way does this team go? How can Mike Norvell get his guys focused and ready versus a Georgia team who all the talent in the world, all the coaching, but do they care? Are there guys going to be fired up? There's oh, it was a long time ago now, but I think back to when Alabama got left out of a shot of the championship. I think they played Utah in the sugar bowl and just got whacked. And it was just kind of Saban's guys just weren't hyped for it. They were, you know, it was, it was championship or bust. They didn't make the championships. So they just kind of walked through the bowl game. So I do worry about that with Georgia. They're going to be fired up. I'm all for Florida State here to get revenge on the SEC. So give me the Seminoles. Uh, not sure what's going on with the quarterback, if it'll be Rodemaker or what they do there, but go Florida State. Yeah. Um, I think both these teams are going to have a lot of opt-outs. I think both Coleman and, uh, Johnny Wilson probably opt out. Jared Verse will opt out. Patrick Payton has hit the transfer portal. Um, man, I, I think Florida State's just decimated. I think Georgia will probably have a few more guys that are serious about playing. And therefore, I think Kirby Smart will have them, uh, We'll have them ready to go. I think he's a good coach. So I I think George is going to roll in this one. And then we're going to unfortunately have to listen to the told you so from everyone. So, And then there's the big two, the Rose Bowl. So both of these on New Year's Day, 
Rose Bowl, Michigan versus Alabama. And if I haven't made it clear on this episode, on top of my Michigan fandom, I just want them to pound Alabama and prove that Alabama is not in their league this year. Michigan, the number one scoring defense, only giving up nine and a half points per game. Uh, conversely, concerning just looking at the historical numbers, Michigan 0-2 in their previous playoff games. They've been one and done the last two years. Uh, in Rose Bowl appearances, they're 8-12 and all time, most in Big Ten history, second behind only USC. This is what concerns me. Alabama is 6-1 and one in playoff openers. They were 1-0 and oh the last time. It, this is the third time we've cycled through with the Rose Bowl and the Sugar as the playoff games. But Alabama was 1-0 and oh in their previous Rose Bowl appearances. That's that's the big concerning number. Alabama 6-1 and one in the postseason since we went to the playoff format. So they Saban does not lose in this opening round, but I would love for Michigan to change that. Yeah. Um Quite frankly, these are two teams that I despise going at each other. <laughs> we've got Alabama, who always wins, and we've got Michigan, who's the biggest. They're going through the biggest cheating scandal, that one of the biggest cheating scandals that we've ever seen. So they're not really much to root for either. Um, I I think, just based off what I've seen and who kind of has momentum here, I think Alabama's playing their best football right now. I think the Crimson Tide are going to win this game rather convincingly. I couldn't hope you were more wrong. Yeah, me too, maybe. But uh, I think Alabama's going to win. And the Sugar Bowl, this this may be for me the best just flat-out bowl game. It's weird to think about with Texas because we're so used to them being a blue blood. But this is their first time appearing in the post in the playoffs since we started back in the 2014-2015 season. Alabama is making their eighth appearance. The other three teams, Michigan, Washington, Texas, have combined for six. So that's how Alabama has been compared to the rest of the world. Clemson and Ohio State are nipping at their heels. But as much as we're used to, especially Texas being this blue blood power program, this is their first time really having a shot since 2009. And then Washington made it in 2016, and they were ousted pretty early in that peach bowl big fan if if i had to pick i'd rather have either of these two than alabama i'm gonna go with washington in this one but texas has made me a believer quinn ewers looks much better sarkeesian seems to have things going there the defensive line might be the best in the country two great receivers we'll have to see what the health is like for the receiving core of texas but you've got you know, a washington team that scores most passing yards one of the top 10 scoring offenses but the defense makes me suspect that Washington gives up a lot of points. Whereas you have Texas, who's 12th in scoring defense, uh, two and two all time in Sugar Bowls. So some random numbers here. That's my concern. Washington's going to have to score points because I don't think they're going to be able to stop Texas. So that's, that's, I want to go with the Huskies, but they're going to need everything they can to get past Texas. Agree with your assessment here. Um, interesting game for me. Because there is, on one side, there's Ryan Grubb, the offensive coordinator for Washington, who is a native of Kingsley, Iowa. Nice. I I know that the Iowa Hawkeyes are going to call him. I don't think he'll pick up and say yes, because he has plenty of head coaching opportunities that he could go to. Uh, But he might. You never know. The crazier things have happened, right? Um, So I I could be watching. 
the future offensive coordinator for Iowa on the Washington side, but it's more likely probably going to be Paul Christ, who is working as an offensive analyst for Texas right now. So both these offenses in this game, I'm intrigued by because uh, I think either one of those two guys is probably going to end up the offensive coordinator at Iowa. So um, I think just for the intrigue of it, I want Washington to win. I'm going to pick Texas. Uh, this is also the Sarkeesian Bowl, right? Because he <laughs> coached at Washington and it didn't work out. And uh, he's now at Texas and things seem to be working. Yeah, it's... So, give me uh, Sark beating his former team. And, yeah. And then uh, the rematch. The Texas-Alabama rematch for the national championship. Mm-hmm. I guess we're we're going different on both of these. I'm going to ride with Michael Penix here in that Washington. There's so much talent there. Hopefully they pull it together here. I'll I think exciting shootout, but give me Washington 40. We'll go like a 45 to 42 between these two. And then Washington Michigan for the championship. Yeah, go go like 49-41 the other way, Texas for me. Um, see what else do we have to get here. We're kind of at our hour. Any other bowl game topics we oh. want to get to? Yes. And then I guess I have to give my next national champion between Texas and Alabama. Sure. Give me te- give me Texas. Unfortunately, we have to <laughs> hear it all off season. Texas is back, but <laughs> they're gonna pull through and win the championship. That's gonna be their lead in to the SEC. I'm I'm going to go with Michigan. I got Michigan over Washington in the championship. All right. Well, if it can't be what I picked, I I really want Washington to win it all. I really do. I really that's what I want, but not what I think will happen. Right. All right. Um. Oh, this was going to be the question I wanted to ask you. Had Oregon defeated Washington in the Pac-12 title game? What would your playoff four have been, or what do you think the committee would have done? Uh, everything else stays Washington, the same. Everything else, yeah. So Washington would be out, and then I think it would be one Michigan, four Oregon, two Texas, three Alabama, oh. or maybe, or maybe Oregon's three, two Texas. See, that, Oregon three. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. That would have been my question. I, how, how would what one loss Oregon, one loss Alabama, and undefeated Florida State? Would Florida State have gotten that spot over Oregon? Probably not, for the same reasons why they left him out. But that would have caused an even bigger stir, right? To put three one loss teams in over thirteen and zero, right? So. And speaking of the Ducks here, we'll try to get out of here pretty quick. So we do have our official Heisman Final Four, as we expected. Michael Penix from Washington, Bo Nix at Oregon, and Jaden Daniels from LSU. And then they added in Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. Not at all surprising. The guy's going to be a top five NFL draft pick this next year. And we all think a stud at the next level. So happy to see him get in there and get some non-quarterback love. But if I'm correct, you went Bo Nix last week, correct? Yeah. Can I flip? 
Well, that, that was going to be my question. Is he going to lose the Heisman because of one game? He wasn't even that terrible in the game they just lost, but it feels like people are jumping off that ship. Yeah, it's going to be Jaden Daniels. Which I, I do it, wonder it, if that's even fair. Yeah. Bone, like, Bonix puts up amazing numbers. They all put up amazing numbers, and uh, but it's just, it seems how quickly we all, we collectively in the sports world and a lot of other pundits jumped off Bo Nix. Yeah, I don't know if it's, yeah, I think we are jumping off Bo Nix, but yeah, give me, uh, give me Jaden Daniels. I guess he's had the best season. So not necessarily that I agree with jumping off of Bo Nix, but just what I think, again, what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I <laughs> I almost went the other. It was like, I still want Bo to get it, but I do think Jaden Daniels is probably the safer pick at this point. Just his his numbers are absurd, and nobody really talked about him until about week eight. Would not be... I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I really think it'd be kind of cool if they rewarded Penix for getting his team to the playoff by right. beating Bo Nix head-to-head twice. If they rewarded Penix with the Heisman for that, I could see where that would make sense, where you pick Penix over Nix because he's 2-0 and head-to-head this year. I I could see that happening. So, but I don't think that's how it'll go. I think people will get caught up in, oh man, the stats of Jaden Daniels, the 4,000, 1,000-yard rushing thing. We got to... We got to give it to Jaden Daniels. Also, and I don't know if this is a big deal. I think this is just going to be how football is. All these, all three of the quarterbacks are transfer guys, which is just, I think, going to be par for the course going forward. But they're all, yeah. I think, five plus year starters. Penix, I think, made a bit of noise. Penix and Knicks, I think, made some noise when they were younger and then transferred. And Jaden Daniels was kind of lost in the shuffle because Arizona State wasn't good. Last year, he got a little bit of buzz, but he really came on the horizon. For a couple of years, we got into giving it to freshmen and sophomores, but now we're looking at five and six year seniors winning it. Remind me who won last year? Bryce Young. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I even um, had to look it up yesterday. I was like, oh yeah, Bryce Young won it. <laughs> yeah, because it feels like it should have been Stroud with the way their NFL rookie seasons have gone. Right. Um, but like you, I think you're spot on with saying that it's going to be more of a regularity where transfer quarterbacks probably are going to win, win the Heisman more frequently going forward. Right. Just, just the new norm, just the new norm to turn over rosters and the transfer portal. And I, I mean, given all of the uh, quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal, the high profile ones already with maybe more to come, who knows after all these bowl games are done. I mean, yeah, I think it's very, very possible that a transfer quarterback wins no. the Heisman next year. No, I, no, I, I agree with you on all that. It's, it's going to be transfer guys. It's just what age do they go with? But I do need to correct myself. Of course, who won the Heisman last year? Think about it. I, I got too ambitious in my answer. Caleb Williams. Oh, really? Oh, duh. And Bryce, Bryce Young was two years ago. Caleb Williams was last year. And then we had Devontae Smith before that. But Devontae Smith was a senior. Burrow was a senior. And then Bryce Young and Caleb Williams were both sophomores. Uh, but Burrow was also a transfer. Caleb Williams was also a transfer. 
Baker. And we're looking at another transfer quarterback winning it this year. Yeah. Baker was a transfer. Kyler Murray was a transfer. Did he? Because ba- no, Baker went to Texas. No, no, no. Kyler wasn't. He didn't. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was, but I don't think Jalen Hurts won it. Didn't Kyler go Texas A&M to Oklahoma? Oh, technically, yeah, he did. Actually, yeah. I think he was like he was like but a. He never player. really saw the. He never really saw the field at A and M. I guess that's why I don't remember right. it. Huh. Yeah. We'll, that's we'll... it. Oh wait, no, he did see the field at A and M, didn't he? Well, I mean, Mark Mariota, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson. I think I don't think those guys ever transferred. I think they were one school guys. Oh. Why does Kyler Murray's time at A and M feel like forever ago? <laughs> right. Am I? Am I getting old? Like, what's going on? I think there was just like that Johnny Manziel hangover for a long time, and then Texas A&M was terrible, so we never think of it. Oh, got it. Because yeah, I I didn't even really remember that until you brought it up. I, I no same. Uh, so anything else on football here? I have one topic that I want to ask you about quick. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So with with next week's show schedule still in the works, there's a UFC card I want to make sure we get to, and that's coming up on December 16th, so we've got quite a bit of time here, but I need to get Andrew's picks here. It is UFC 296 from Las Vegas. be the same day as the first set of bowls, but the big fight is the welterweight title. We've got Leon Edwards, who, after dispatching of Kamaru Usman twice, established himself as the king of this division. And Donald Trump's favorite fighter, Colby Covington, uh, an Oregon guy or former Oregon State wrestler, interim champ, uh, really kind of leaned into the being whether or not he actually believes it. His character is the loudmouth MAGA MMA fighter. So a very close fight here. Leon Edwards minus 125 to Colby Covington plus 125. So that's our main event bout there. Yeah. You, you want my pick? Yes. I'm going to take Colby in a little bit of an upset. I I do think Leon Edwards is the smarter pick, but Colby Covington is a much more fun if we get to have him as the champion and his absurdities. True. We get to see some absurdities earlier in the day, though. Isn't it the uh, pay-per-view debut of Patty Pimblett? I was I was saving him for further down, but Andrew's beloved Patty the Batty Pimblett making his oh, yeah. UFC pay-per-view card debut. And I think I talked about this last time we did UFC. Just poor Tony Ferguson. Was seven, eight years ago, this guy was on top of the world, was going to be contending for titles and string of bad luck. And now he's lost like four or five in a row and just kind of, it's just, they keep throwing him out there. There's the name recognition, but he feels kind of like the veteran name they're going to feed to Patty Pimblett here. Yeah, it's bet your life on Patty. And then I, I think we're going to see... uh Tony Ferguson throws gloves in the center uh, probably after. Yeah. El, El Kakui had a good run, a, a, a great fighter in his time, but it feels he's just kind of a, his best days are behind him and they're kind of riding him off into the sunset here. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, some of the other names, bigger names on the card, Vicente Luque fighting. Uh, Steven Wonderboy Thompson is a huge underdog against Shavkat. I always struggle with the same. Shavkat Rachmanov, and he is he's a minus 500, so he's a huge favorite, but he has been on fire. He's He may get the next shot at the winner of the... Uh, he may be the guy who gets the shot at the winner of Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington because he's tearing through alterweight, so if he's able to get past Wonderboy, 
Uh, he'll be the, he may be your next Walter White contender. Yeah, I, I like Wonder Boy, but I, I think, uh, again, it's kind of like Ferguson where he's kind of aging out maybe a little bit. So, um, yeah, give me Shavkat. And then, uh, Flyweight, again, two fighters, two fighters I'm not super familiar with. Alexander Pantoja versus Brandon Royval. I'll, I'll go with the champ Pantoja here to defend. Yeah, I guess I'll go with Pantoja too. I don't really know anything about these guys. Uh, looking at the rest of the card, nothing huge. Cody Garbrandt, former champion contender. They're down at the bantamweight in the prelims. A minus two eighteen favorite, so let's go with him. Other than that, I don't see a whole lot of names that I'm incredibly familiar with. They're ranked guys. There's probably some fun bets out there you can get. That had to, yeah, get, some, had to get the Andrew bets for the UFC card. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead and get my get your bets in now. And 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 remember, Andrew told you about Patty the Batty for months before he finally made his UFC debut, and here he is. Yeah, I mean, they were hyping him up. They've been hyping him up. They want Patty and Sugar Sean to be the stars of UFC very badly. And Patty Pimblet is the king of does not look like a good fighter, but is a good fighter. Like Francis Ngannou looks like he should be a fighter. Israel Adesanya looks like he should be a fighter. Patty Pimblet does not, and yet he's out here wrecking people. Ah, so he's basically the Jokic of UFC. There you go. That's a good example. Yeah, Jokic doesn't look like a basketball player, but he's the best. Yeah, somehow so, the best in the world. Yeah. So, all right, I can't. I can't wait. It's going to be a good one on December sixteenth. A day full of sports. You've got about five bowl games and a UFC fight to fill your day. And probably some NBA and some college basketball mixed in there as well. So, Well, that's going to be this week's show. We thank you all for joining us and going on the ride through the long 41 ga- forty-one bowl game schedule. We'll be back next week with another hour-long edition of the show. We thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Keep your stick on the ice. <laughs> <laughs>